Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Parable Podcast. I'm Danielle Zapchank. For the majority of my life, my mom has been a hairstylist. So I've had the privilege of her cutting my hair my whole entire life. Nobody's ever taken scissors to it. And the funny thing is, she has shared so many stories about different people talking about stories of hope, humor, and hardship. And it just goes to show you that parable stories are everywhere if we're willing to listen and lean in. Today, you're going to meet Amy McFadden, who at 48 had a heart attack that forever changed the course of her life, leaving her with a surgery of a 2% outcome of surviving. We were pretty upfront with them about what was all happening. And um, my youngest says, you know, he's walking out the door. He says, Mom, 2%. I know it. It's going to be 2%. And uh, so they left. And I was just amazed at how much faith he had. Let's listen in to our conversation. Excited for you to meet Amy McFadden today. Amy, you and I, we have a connection via our hair. Okay. <laughs> and that is because my mom cuts your hair. My mom has been the only person that's ever cut my hair in my whole entire life. So uh, do you live in the Fox River Valley? I do. I live in Fond du Lac, which is about 45 minutes south of Appleton. Yeah. So for those of you that are unfamiliar, Fox River Valley is just the area in Wisconsin, kind of just south of Green Bay. I grew up there. Did you grow up in this area as well? Yes, I grew up in Appleton. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you married? Do you have any kids? I am married. Uh, my husband's name is John. We just celebrated our 19th anniversary. We have two boys, Caleb and Connor. They are 16. And 14. 19 years, that's amazing. How did you and John meet each other? We were actually set up as a blind date by his sister, who was my dental hygienist. You don't hear that very often. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were set up on this interview by your hairstylist and you were set up by your dental hygienist. Okay, interesting. So did you feel like you and John connected immediately or how did you feel about him when you first met him? Um, it was definitely a connection, although it was an interesting way how it all happened. He um, fake proposed to me after four months, which is a really funny story, but but we didn't get married till a year and a half later, so. Is he a jokester? I mean, a fake proposal. I mean, that's pretty bold. (laughs) (laughs) He's definitely a jokester. (laughs) I'm glad that you have John in your life to keep you, you know, on your toes for sure. Right. So, all right. So, Amy, the Parable Podcast is all about people just sharing their stories, their moments of their life where maybe after thinking about it, they realize that God has taught them a lesson within that. So, Amy, what is your parable story? It all started in May of 2020. Um, I was 48 years old, and I ended up suffering a massive heart attack with no real pre-existing conditions and no overt typical signs of a heart attack, although looking back at it now, I can see where those signs were present because heart attacks in women are quite different than those in men. 
And what happened was that because I had waited so long, like a week and a half, they think after the first one had happened, to go to the doctor because I did go in and get COVID tested because at that point, everything was about COVID. And uh, they said I didn't have COVID. So I thought, well, okay, I'm just sick. And then a week later, I was still sick and getting sicker. So my husband took me into the doctor in a very short period of time. They had me in the emergency room and then up to have a cardiac catheterization. A couple hours after that, the cardiothoracic surgeon who um, works at our hospital was apparently looking at my information and apparently he didn't really like what he saw. Um, so he arranged for me to be flight for life down to Freighter in Milwaukee, which is about an hour south of here. And I remember them saying, we need to send you to Freighter. And this is how out of it I was. I was like, well, really? because it's Memorial Day weekend and I have a lot of stuff I need to get done. (laughs) That is how many women think. There are things I need to get done. My heart can wait. Right. right. Yes. So um, I remember the um, helicopter ride. The flight nurse name was Caleb because that's my son's name that registered with me. And he was amazing. I remember he just kind of kept rubbing my forehead and saying, you know, it's it's 18 minutes. It's an 18 minute ride. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. But what they ended up doing was surgery to put me on ECMO, which basically was kind of like bypass where it would oxygenate my blood for me. And when they opened me up to do that, that's when they uh, realized I had what was a massive ventral septal defect, where the septum between my right ventricle and left ventricle was basically blown open, or had the whole of a 50 cent piece in it, which is basically blown open. And apparently, the The uh, surgeon called my husband that night and told him, you know, basically, it's a very good thing they got her here when they did, or we would be having a very different conversation right now. So, and now, of course, is in the midst of, you know, the height of COVID, and nobody was allowed in the ICU. So it was several weeks before my husband could even come visit. And then they would have to do emergency surgery to stabilize me. So they would call my husband and be like, we're going to do surgery on your wife. It's going to be happening right now. You know, click. So my poor husband is at home with our boys, you know, trying to keep everything together, keep everything running. And it was just super hard for him. But we did have our um, entire church family and our, our blood family, our friends. We had just everybody praying. And then the outpouring of support was amazing. I literally had no control over what was happening in my body and how things were progressing. But God did. Well, Amy, I can't, I can't even imagine what the multitude of emotions that you had went through from May of 2020 all the way through now. I mean, there's so many feelings I'm sure you felt. So when you were talking, it reminded me of this verse that I was looking at yesterday and it said this, it's in, I believe this is in Psalms, I'll check later, (laughs) but it says, all of your waves break over me, am I drowning? Yet in the light of day, the eternal shows me his love. When night settles in and all is dark, he keeps me company. 
his soothing song, a prayerful melody to the true God of my life. And I was just thinking when you had to be in the hospital alone by yourself, I mean, there is the point of desperation that you're you're thinking, what is going on? I was just home and I was feeling fine. I was getting ready for a Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> and so in that desperation, you know, he was there. Tell me about how you felt about God in that moment. Were you questioning? What were you feeling? You know, how... Um, how can you be angry that this happened to you? You know, because it totally and completely disrupted my life, you know, as I knew it. And there weren't really that many moments of why did you do this to me? It was more of thank you for keeping me going. I remember because I'd had so many procedures and surgeries and had been innovated so many times, I literally had to learn how to swallow again and I couldn't talk and it was terrible and I couldn't sing. And singing is one of my very favorite things to do and I remember I was listening to um, Christian music my husband had brought in and um, I remember just one day just sobbing that like I can't do this how am I ever going to be able to do this I can't even swallow but you know again it, it was that idea of just keep helping me just keep helping me so in the midst of this I was initially on the heart transplant list because there was so much damage done to the heart that there was no way it was going to function and as more complications happened to me, I had to get more and more blood transfusions. And what they found out during that point was that then my antibody levels grew higher and higher and higher. Then they had to basically sit down and have a, a pretty frank conversation that, okay, you would never survive a transplant. Your body would reject anything you know we would try to give you. So that is off the table. So I went from being 1A on the transplant list to being too sick to get a transplant. And again, it was this feeling of, I still felt covered in prayer. I still felt protected. I still felt like God's got this. I, you know, I can do this. Since I was no longer able to get a transplant, they said there's then three options for your heart. We can either go in and patch the septal defect. And the surgeon had said, you know, there's basically like less than a 2% chance of that work. So basically don't count on that because that's really not going to happen. But we're going to try. But they need they needed some function on the right side of my heart in order to allow the LVAD or the left ventricular assistive device to work. So this LVAD was, you know, option number two. And option three was a total artificial heart. And that one it pretty much, you know, takes over your life. You'd have to have 24-7 care because if something happens to that battery, if you don't get the backup hooked up, you know, within minutes, you'll die. So I was just devastated at the thought of this. And I would never be able to take a shower again. That alone... <laughs> 
<laughs> that almost did it for me right there. I'm like, what do you mean? Never shower again? So there were times that I would focus on that and think, well, then what? what's the point? Like, you know, what's your quality of life like that? And I just start praying or somebody would text me or call me and start praying. And then again, I just had this feeling, you know, that, okay, God's got this covered. And whatever happens, you know, God knew that it wasn't the right time to do the surgery. And it was just all these things kept happening. And in the back of my mind, it was like, well, is God just giving me a little bit more time to get stronger? For me to get to, to stand up and even take a few steps took literally four people because I had to have all this equipment go with me. Basically, that was my lifeline. They had said, when you wake up from this, this surgery, and we honestly don't know what to expect. So we, we can't even tell you except for, you know, clinical judgment. Um, and... The surgeon had said there was, since I was able to get up and move around a little bit right before surgery, he, he was a little more hopeful. By this point, um, the COVID restrictions had loosened up enough where I could have one visitor per day. Uh, my husband um, was there um, several times a week, and he... Uh, but that means I couldn't see my boys. And, um, and, and they're like, well, there, there's really no exception. You know, that's just the way it's going to be. You'll just have to see them on FaceTime. One of my nurses, and I can't say enough about that whole um, cardiac ICU staff there is just amazing. Basically, went up, they went up to the medical director <clears throat> to get... Um, permission for my husband to bring my boys to see me that night before surgery. That was really wonderful to be able to see them, to be able to hug them. Um, you know, because this nurse had said, <clears throat> this is a really big surgery. You need to see your boys. We were pretty upfront with them about what was all happening. And um, my youngest says, you know, he's walking out the door. He says, Mom, 2%. I know it, it's going to be 2%. And uh, so they left. And I was just amazed at how much faith he had. You know, it was just amazing. Well, I was definitely crying when you were telling me the story about how your son had left the room and, um, and that he just believes. Like, he believed in that 2%. It was so touching just to see how, just to have people come into your life, whether that's your child, a family member, a friend, a nurse that's working in the ICU, just to give you those glimpses of hope. And I believe that God utilizes that for our benefit because otherwise we would just feel so lost. So I'm so glad you had those opportunities. Like um, you were saying, Caleb, on the flight to life and those nurses and this community of your church supporting you because without that, I'm sure it could feel so scary, so lost. So, um, so I finally had the surgery on, opened my eye on my, you know, my eyes a little bit and I kind of looked to the right 
And I'm so used to having so much stuff plugged into my right side that, um, you know, I was already kind of biased toward the right. So it was kind of like I looked and then, you know, I'm kind of praying and praying. And then I don't know how much longer I finally open my eyes and I look and there's no ECMO there. Then, and you know, one of the nurses comes in and she's like, Amy, you got our miracle. You know, and I, she's crying. They're all crying. I'm crying. And I'm like, could not believe it. Then <clears throat> spent basically the next almost four weeks there, had um, recovered in the ICU and then, you know, practiced sitting up and getting in a chair and walking. If you've never been really, truly ill, it can never express to you just how exhausting that was. You know, I was determined. I said, you know, I, I got this chance. You know, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can do. And then they sent me home. You know, it was just, just amazing. A couple days later, we had a praise and prayer service, prayed and sang, and it was just amazing. So since then, you know, I, I was discharged home, but I really couldn't do anything for myself. Just a very, very long road to get back to a, a functional level. It's a very long process. So I'm still fighting, still praying, still, you know, God's gotten me this far, so... I just have to keep thinking he'll keep me going. So, you know, we see all these miracles in the Bible. And sometimes I guess we forget. I don't know if that's just like our American society where where we don't see people healed every day because Jesus, he did that so well. He just went up and, oh, you're not blind anymore. (laughs) So, so, you know, and maybe it just doesn't happen on our timetable, if you will. But you definitely experienced a miracle. I mean, 2%. That was amazing that that procedure, that surgery worked for you and you survived. So have you seen miracles or different things now in your life? Now that you've experienced all this, you recognize, oh, wow, I see miracles every day. I definitely am more mindful of even just little things, you know, that are blessings and and things I see every day that I might not have been so cognizant about before. Yeah, for sure. So you and John, you said you've been married 19 years and it was a long time for you. You could even see each other, like hold each other, grab onto each other. Do you feel like different situations throughout your marriage, God had his hand over your marriage and prepared you for this time, even though, I mean, it was a surprise to all of you. Like, how would you say maybe you've seen like John step up in the past so that he was able to do that now? You know, I think to all, all of the things that he had to manage. And, and I've always taken care of all the money, which, by the way, is not a super good plan if you're unconscious for a long period of time, because then the poor guy had to try to figure out how to pay, who to pay. So just a little tip on that, right? Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> way to go, John. If you could say something to people who know like another friend that's maybe going through a situation and they don't know how to help, they don't know how to support somebody through this when they are laying in a hospital bed, what would you say would be a practical way that they could help love and serve and appreciate that person? 
I would en encourage people just to go visit. And even if you just sit there and hold their hand while they're sleeping, I had a good friend, Sherry, she would come and she would stay for hours. And sometimes I would just fall asleep and she's like, you know what, that's okay. I had friends, um, good friends fly in from all over the country who would just come you know, even though I, w I was like not really any company whatsoever, you know, that presence was so wonderful. And then also just all the people who supported my husband. They did the meal train thing and gas cards because there was a lot of driving. And we had friends who like just invited him for dinner and just let him talk or not, or, you know, just to hang out and, you know, just know that he was appreciated. So stuff like that, you know, where I, again, wouldn't have thought of a lot of that before I went, you know, through this you know, to know how much that means to people. You also mentioned, just on a medical note, um, that for women, it looks different when you're having heart issues. What did you mean by that? Is there something that we can be looking for as we grow older for women, just to keep that in the back of our minds? Yes. Um, so, you know, they always tell you that the typical heart attack symptoms are, you know, left arm pain, you know, squeezing pain, you know, in your chest, chest pain, jaw pain. I didn't have any of that. I had no chest pain whatsoever. In fact, I didn't have any chest pain until they were doing the cardiac cath and they put the stent in and I said, okay, now I have some pain. I feel that. Because <laughs> I was literally dumbfounded. How could I have had this massive heart attack and have zero chest pain? But what I did have was nausea and vomiting and extreme fatigue. And I did have some aching in my low back between my shoulder blades. Well, Amy, thank you so much for sharing your heart, explaining everything that you've been through. I just greatly appreciate when people share their stories because we get to learn from each other and then we're able to see ourselves inside the story. Maybe they're not exactly the same, but we all can relate to hurt or loss or when we feel devastated in our life and then also facing those those miracles as well and recognizing God he's been present for every step of the way so thank you so much for your story I'm going to continue to pray for continued health and healing for you and just thank you so thank much you. for for being on the show today thank you for this conversation thank you Wow, it just makes me so thankful of all the ways God shows us his goodness every day and how I take for granted my own physical health. Each week, we have some takeaway questions because we are in a world where there's constant thoughts going through our brains. and We just want to take a second to slow down and think about what we just heard. Maybe you want to journal about this or talk over this with a friend. The first thing that I thought of is Amy shared that after her surgery, she had to relearn the basic things like swallowing, standing up and walking. So what is it? that we need to relearn in our relationship with God. You know, every season of our life is going to be different. So maybe it's coming to him in prayer, having gratitude, or maybe just reading his word daily. Secondly, 
Is there an area of your life that, you know, you felt that loneliness or desperation and it just kind of set in? Psalm 42, 18 says this, when the night settles in and all is dark, he comforts me. Sometimes when we feel like loneliness and desperation has set in, it is so hard to hear God's voice or to know that he is with us. And as you read through that psalm, you can understand the author is questioning, he's hurting, he feels overwhelmed, but yet he can still go to God. So what are those questions, those worries, those issues that you are having that you just need to release to God in your life right now? What are those things? Because you know what? He is there. He's willing to accept those things. And he, he knows that you are a child of his and he just wants to listen. I have received so many comments and support of this show. It is so encouraging to me. I love words, so I appreciate that so much. One way you can continue to support the show and future conversations is just by leaving a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only is it fun for me to see what you think of the show, but in a world with so many options out there, this is an easy way for people to continue to find the Parable Podcast. If you have any questions or you want more information about today's episode. You can find all the show notes at daniellezapchank.com. I'd love to connect with you more and you can find me hanging out on Instagram or Facebook. That's at Danielle Zapchank. That's Z-A-P-C-H-E-N-K. That'll do it for today. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Remember your parable, it showcases how when we feel out of control in our own circumstances, God is right there beside us and he's always gonna be there. I'll see you next week on The Parable podcast.